2: The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show.
3: And welcome to the X-Zone, everyone. I am Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I am your host. I am your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I've been calling home for the past 26 years, the X-Zone. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the X-Zone comes to you Monday through Friday from 11 p.m. until... No, I am wrong. From 10 p.m. until 2 a.m right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network and our growing family of broadcast affiliates right around this great, big, wonderful world of ours. If you would like to uh, visit us on any of the social media sites, Exxon Radio TV, our main website is exxonradiotv.com. And to find out all about the Exxon Broadcast Network and our fine group of programs and uh, hosts, visit us at www.xzbn.net. You know, this first guest I have tonight, Exonation, is a gentleman I have had the pleasure of knowing and having on the air for about twenty six years. Now we were talking before air. He's been doing his his investigation into the paranormal and teaching for thirty eight years, and we've been doing the show for twenty six years and and I believe this gentleman was one of the very first guests we had on the show going way back when and I'm talking about Lloyd Auerbach. He is the director of the Office of Paranormal Investigations and President of the Forever Family Foundation, an organization supporting research on life after death and the work of spirit mediums in the grieving process. He was appointed to the faculty of Atlantic University of Virginia Beach, Virginia in late uh, 2010, where he teaches an online parapsychology course. He is the co-author with the late renowned psychic and N. Martin of The Ghost Detective Guide to the Haunted Sand. And we're going to be talking to Lloyd tonight about a new book he has coming out. It's called Psychic Dreaming. And joining me now is Lloyd Auerbach. And Lloyd, great having you back on the X-Zone.
1: Thanks, Rob. Tell us about
3: uh, what have you been up to since you and I last talked, I think about three or four years ago now.
1: Well, you know, Annette and I published that book, The um, The Ghost Detectives Guide to Haunted San Francisco. And uh, unfortunately, she passed away. A great Uh, loss. Yeah, she was a great psychic medium. And a great uh, investigative partner for me. Uh, But I've been more and more involved with the Forever Family Foundation and the Rhine Research Center. Mm -hmm. I'm also on the board of directors for the Rhine Center and teach online classes for them. So those are two things that kind of keep me pretty busy. Uh, Plus teaching at other places as well. I am teaching parapsychology courses for a few other places. And, of course, writing keeps me busy. And and, uh, performing magic and mentalism and a little bit of chocolate helps me.
3: You're you're still doing the chocolate. That is wonderful. I am:
1: Yes, um, I, still, uh, I still am making chocolate. Um, you know they can find out about that at Um uh, but I mostly focus on doing guided chocolate tastings that seems to be uh, the thing that people like the most.
3: Uh, chocolate makes the world go round in my book.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um,
3: why do you think the paranormal? is as popular today, Lloyd, as it was when you and I first started into doing what we do. You 38 years ago, me 26 years
1: ago. Well, you know, it's people have these experiences. People have psychic experiences of all sort. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's in some respects today, there's more ability for people to converse about it because of the Internet. Um, it allows people to really talk to each other, to look for information about the subject, which they didn't have access to before. Unfortunately, it also means there's a lot of bad information mm-hmm. out there. And that includes a lot of the TV shows. Uh so it, you know, it's what it's it hasn't quite normalized the experiences, but it's allowed people to come out of the closet about their experiences and and certainly their interest in the subject.
3: Lloyd, you and I will have to take a commercial break uh, very shortly, so please stand by. Congratulations on your new book and congratulations on all the wonderful things that you do because Lord knows, in today's society, there is so much, and I'm going to use a, a, a Trumpism here, fake news, mm. that it's nice to know there are people like you that are still out there getting the real aspects of the paranormal to those people who want to learn and better understand. So thanks for the great job that you've been doing over the years. Thank you. Exonation, Lloyd Auerbach is our guest. Now, if you'd like to follow Lloyd on Twitter, it's very simple. All you have to do is at Prof Paranormal. That's it. Prof Paranormal and Lloyd Auerbach and I will be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. If you'd like to send me an email, x at x TV dot com, or you can follow us on Facebook, X-Zone Radio TV. Don't go away. Marsh Landing is truly a unique experience. Marsh Landing Restaurant, 44 North Broadway in historic downtown Felsmere, or visit MarshlandingRestaurant.com. Marsh Landing, Old Florida cuisine at its best.
4: If you're a seeker, don't miss the inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening between the dark and the daylight this remarkable work chronicles shamanic counselor and indigenously trained dream decoder Sandra cochran's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers throughout the americas sandy's initiations across the british isles turkey greece and egypt combined with her knowledge of symbology psychology and myth influence her dream blog and workshops sandy offers private readings sacred international journeys a meditative cd and her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate your earth walk and create a deeper connection to yourself. Find this and more at her website, starwalkervisions.com.
3: Welcome back, everyone. This is The X-Zone. I am Rob McConnell. Lloyd Auerbach is our guest. And if you'd like to follow Lloyd on Twitter, prof, it's at ProfParanormal. I'm going to be talking to Lloyd a little bit about his new book. It's entitled Psychic Dreaming. Dreamworking, Reincarnation, Out-of-Body Experiences, and Clairvoyance. And before we get into, into your book, you, you mentioned something about the unreality of reality TV when it comes to the paranormal. How do you, you know, like? How does this make you feel when you watch these shows? And, you know, they're anything but real.
1: Well, you know, uh, I think if the public recognized that reality shows are produced for entertainment mm-hmm. instead of factually as documentaries, I, I would feel a lot better. Uh, frankly, I'm bored by most of them. Yeah, But seeing the impact of them, it's great that they're getting people to talk about this. And, you know, there are tens of thousands of ghost hunters out there now because mm-hmm. of the TV shows. Yeah. But, they're, but they're following along with a method that TV producers put together, not scientists. You know, the last count,
3: we have registered here in the X Zone over 3,000 ghost groups
1: uh-huh.
3: in the U.S. alone.
1: Yeah, hey, yeah that makes sense.
3: Yeah, you know, and a lot of these groups are true believers mm-hmm. they you know ghost researchers keep history alive they're the greatest historians going and some when, of them yeah, yeah yeah i agree with you some of them and when i see what other groups perceive to be the proper way of doing investigations based on the tv shows you know my my, it just it's like somebody putting their fingernails on a chalkboard and yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah it's it's a little crazy just the very idea of investigating in the dark itself mm-hmm. um, is contradictory to any sort of scientific observation and and f- frankly, it's contrary to the actual experiences uh people don't uh, actually rarely have experiences with the lights out so it, it's it's ridiculous but it's that
3: shock and awe effect that that t v producers like getting.
1: Well, you know, back in the 80s, uh, before night shot cameras came out, Mm -hmm. when I was doing TV segments with folks, the director or producer would often say, can we turn the lights down really low or or out completely to make it look more spooky? And thankfully, the camera guy would always say, yeah, but then we couldn't see anything.
3: (laughs) I I could never understand that myself. But anyway, Uh, tell us about your new book, Psychic Dreaming, Dreamworking, Reincarnation Out-of-Body Experiences, and Clairvoyance.
1: So this is actually a revision of a book I put out a number of years ago. Uh, It's focused on how psychic experience, you know, extrasensory perception especially, and also Mm -hmm. a little bit on uh, ghostly visitations, but how all that kind of comes out in the dream state, which is probably the most fertile altered state we have for being psychic, especially precognitive. So the book kind of covers... Uh, the different types of experiences people have. I have a lot of examples that people had written into me, of their various psychic dreams, but also talks about how to work with them, how to work with your own dreams, and you know what dreams are in general, and how to work with those just in general, not just specifically with psychic dreams.
3: Why is dreaming so important to
1: us? You know, there's from the actual uh, scientific perspective, there's a there's actually a debate in science when it comes around down to it. There is that school of thought in neuroscience, amongst some, that we should not even remember our dreams. That dreaming is a process by which the brain kind of gets rid of junk, kind of like defragging the brain like a computer would be defragged, a hard drive would be defragged. But the other side of that is that working with your dreams, your dreams actually reflect not just your day's residue, but also reflect issues that are popping up, uh, possibly issues that are deep-seated, possibly more recent things. And by working with those dreams, looking for your personal symbols and metaphors, you actually get a benefit out of it. And while both sides have their kind of support, it's very clear from people who do dream work that they get positive benefit out of it, not negative benefit. Such as? Well, you know, um, let's let's just talk very simply about a a, a very cliched statement. I'm going to sleep on it. You know, the idea of going to bed thinking of an idea or thinking of something that's about to happen or a decision you have to make uh, goes back thousands of years. The Egyptians talked about dream incubation, the idea that you could uh, program yourself, kind of tell yourself to, to dream about something and let it play out. It's almost as if you're role-playing in some respects possible outcomes for things. And you it accesses information that's in your memory and it's in your unconscious that you don't consciously necessarily have access to. And if you have work with your dreams and kind of, kind of understand your own normal symbology you can figure out whether what your unconscious is telling you about what's the best way to go about this what's the best decision to make what are the possibilities so you can definitely get some benefit from that
3: let me sleep on it you know i i've done that myself and and it seems that in the dream state you're able to work on problems that just escape you during the day and when you do wake up it like it's like oh my gosh that was there's the solution it was right in front of me how come I couldn't I couldn't face it do, you, right. do do you think that during the dream state that those on the other side of the veil have a greater accessibility to those who are still on this side
1: well you know the fact is that during the dream state our inhibitions and normal programming against being open and psychic whether it's to just psychic information or to potentially people who are trying to communicate with us, uh, it's got, they're, they're dropped. Those defenses are dropped because you can always write it off, you know, to say, Oh, that was just a dream. It wasn't anything real. Whether or not people try to contact us Mm -hmm. probably has as much to do with whether you want to be contacted. In other words, whether you're trying to contact with someone on the other side as anything else.
3: Where do angels fit into the entire scenario? A lot of people believe that they have angelic connections, when they are asleep and that angels come to them in their dreams just like their dearly departed do. Are in your opinion, after investigating and teaching all these years, Lloyd, is the angelic realm part of the paranormal or is the angelic realm an interpretation that the person who has the experience bases on their own religious philosophical beliefs?
1: Well, I'd go with the second there. Um, you know, if there are mm-hmm. angels at all, they fall under the the idea of the divine of God, and there is no way science can touch that, because that's magic. That's beyond science. Right. It's above... That's truly supernatural. And we talk about psychic and paranormal phenomena as related to human experience and human abilities and what we're, we're capable of. Um, I've yet to see anything other than interpretational stuff that suggests that it's truly an angel. And actually, you know depending on the religion you grew up in, yeah. if you follow the Old Testament, you really don't want angels showing up. That's not a good thing. That's true. That's true. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're a prophet, it's one thing. But otherwise, if you look in the Old Testament, yeah. the angels were the ones who were knocking people off.
3: They, they were the deity's uh, henchmen. That's correct. Yeah. I never looked at it that way. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, reincarnation. Is reincarnation real, and is there scientific evidence to su- support the hypothesis and the claims made by people who claim to have been reincarnated?
1: Well, you know, there's, there is evidence. Um, there is good evidence of children who remember past lives, previous lives. Uh, most of the cases are investigated by folks at the University of Virginia or the University of Iceland and a few other places in other parts of the world. And these are children who spontaneously recall a past life starting they're around two to three years old when they might start talking about this. So their their minds, their memories have not been contaminated with stories and information the way an adult under hypnosis might have been contaminated. Uh, we, we tend not to include any sort of hypnotic regression in this process. And there are cases, really good cases on record, where a, two, a three or four year old will not only re- recall details or ha- who they were, what they how they behaved, but actually names and dates and addresses, and all sorts of stuff that allow the researchers to easily track down the the past life individual, and then they spend some time making sure that the family of this kid could Mm -hmm. not possibly have known this information, couldn't have been in touch with that family or known about that person. And we have cases like that on record. So how do we explain that? Well, that's a really good question. Uh, At this point, (laughs) unless you consider um, a couple possibilities, one would be reincarnation, that whether it is The consciousness of the person who used to live that is being is reborn now Mm -hmm. or something about their memory kind of think of it as a a software issue that there's memory out there that's floating around that gets absorbed by the child developing one of those two things it could also be that the child is incredibly psychic and is able to pick up this information but uh, and that's a debate by the way within parapsychology but from the non-psychic non-paranormal perspective you know I haven't ever seen a good a good explanation other than that the child was coached. That's the only thing you typically hear from the true skeptics and debunkers about this. And that's pretty easy to kind of shunt aside.
3: Well, is there a connection between out-of-body experiences, reincarnation, and astral travel then?
1: Well, not between reincarnation and out-of-body experience, but astral travel is another name Kind of an old occultist name mm-hmm. for out of body experience and out of body travel. Uh, we have research, of course, with folks who have done out of body as well as tons of spontaneous reports of, of cases. There's, you know, it's a really interesting thing because if you look at the occult literature and astral projection literature, a lot of them talk about sending your spirit body out of your body, and yet the people who are the best examples of the best research participants subjects always said that their spirits didn't leave but they sent part of themselves out almost like a space probe part of their consciousness would split off and still be linked to them wherever it went
3: to your knowledge or to the best of of, of your ability to share any information to the point that i'm going to ask you has any psychic or has there been any type of psychic communication between people on this planet and other people on other planets?
1: Well, not verified, but mm-hmm. there have been a number of psychics who have claimed that they have been uh, communicating with uh, entities in, on other planets or in spacecraft or even in other dimensions. But, you know, um, if somebody said, I, I got a message from so-and-so in China, mm-hmm and I I can very clearly have this information, unless we checked, A, the information to see if it was valid, which didn't necessarily have to come from a person, and B, whether that person was even in existence in China, Um, we couldn't verify any bit of this. And it's even worse when we're talking about extraterrestrials because we don't have any confirmation that they would even be in telepathic contact with anybody because we don't know if that anybody is there. Would you consider yourself to be psychic yourself a little bit i certainly have psychic experiences from time to time and uh, i've worked with people uh, who've kind of uh, i guess you could say amp me up a little bit mm-hmm. uh, and i certainly teach psychic development for people having people access their own abilities uh, teaching in fact an online class starting for the Rhine center uh, which starts on march 6th and you know it's it's not hard for people to access some bits of that and it just depends on how much practice they want to put into it
3: you and i have to take a another break lloyd when we come back um i'd like to ask you about any personal experiences that you may have had of a psychic nature sure. uh, lloyd Auerbach is our very special guest explanation. and lloyd if people would like to find out more information about the courses that you give online with the ryan center how can they do that
1: the best place to go is r h i n e that's ryan, dot org, and you'll see an education uh category on the left-hand side of the website and that'll take you to the Ryan Education Center. All right.
3: Please stand by my friend Exonation Lloyd Arrbach and I will be back on the other side of this break and if you'd like to communicate with Lloyd on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Thanks Craig you scared the heck out of me buddy. If you'd like to co- connect with Lloyd on Twitter it's at Prof Paranormal. I'll be back on the other side of this break don't go away.
0: For more information on the XZone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net.
4: There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Kulda Weyukka, and The Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Xedbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net.
3: Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. Welcome back, everyone. Lloyd back is our guest to this hour. Lloyd has a brand new book that's coming out this coming April. It's entitled Psychic Dreaming, Dreamworking, Reincarnation, Out-of-Body Experiences, and Clairvoyance, and it's published by our good friends at Llewellyn. If you'd like to connect with Lloyd on Twitter, at Paranormal, I'm sorry, Prof Paranormal, that's at Prof Paranormal. With any of the psychic experiences that you've had, Lloyd, you were very close with Annette Martin. You guys did a lot of work together. Ha- has, right. has Annette ever tried to make communication or contact with you from the other
1: side? Uh, actually, she's communicated multiple times through a variety of mediums, which has been very interesting. Um, <clears throat> it's, uh, as, as someone who's involved with the Forever Family Foundation, mm-hmm. especially as president, uh, we have a process by which we certify mediums. So we have some excellent mediums who are very evidential. And at our annual meeting, we have kind of, uh, get some guidance from the other side, you might say, with a panel of mediums. And Annette came through very strongly a couple years ago. Um, Even though she was not invited to come through, she just kind of butted in, which was interesting. That sounds like Annette.
3: (laughs) Tell us about the uh, Forever Family Foundation.
1: This is a foundation that was started a little over uh, 11 years ago by a couple who lost their daughter in a tragic accident. And a medium... uh, Kind of through a friend, kind of provided them with incredible relief from their grief. And Bob Ginsburg, it's Bob and Friend Ginsburg, Bob himself, who was a skeptic, total skeptic, was eventually convinced because of how much evidence came through. So they started, uh, they spoke to a number of researchers and created a certification process, which is a tough test for mediums to pass uh, in order to be kind of listed on our website. And they also have to give back. It's a 501c3 nonprofit organization, all volunteer. So the mediums also volunteer for our foundation in many, many ways, uh, and we have uh, we have grief retreats. Uh, we have a lot of support for research in all aspects of life after death and survival of bodily death. So it's a ver- very, much a both a practical and a scientific organization uh, that goes forward, and it's free to join. I mean, people can just join and get our magazine and participate for free at foreverfamilyfoundation.org. Do is it is it
3: easier for a child who's passed to communicate with their parent than it is for the parent to communicate with the child?
1: Uh, you mean if the parent is passed and the child is alive?
3: Yeah, and and the other side. For example, if the child passes and the parent is alive, is it easier for the child to communicate, or if the or if it was the opposite, where the parent
1: had passed and the child would still alive, be alive? It it doesn't seem to to matter. Um, the one thing that I've observed, and the mediums are pretty clear on that on this, is this is a two person process with a medium as the intermediary. Mm. So we've had situations where, and I've seen I've spoken to people who have said said that the medium was actually terrible because the medium didn't connect with their father, and it turned out the medium connected with their mother who is deceased, and they didn't want to talk to their mother. So that was clearly, even though it was definitely their mother, and they said. You know, all the evidence that came through was absolute, was a terrible medium because she couldn't connect with the father. Well, if the father didn't want to talk to the woman, (laughs) then there's nothing the medium can do about that. So really, this is is kind of a a two-person thing. Mm -hmm. And what we usually suggest, what mediums suggest is for the person who wants to contact, whether it's a child or a parent, who wants to contact someone on the other side before they see the medium to really mentally put out there uh, that that's who they want to talk to and hopefully entice them, invite them come speak through the medium or to the medium.
3: Um, if, if somebody comes to the Forever Family Foundation and they would like to communicate with someone who is on the other side mm-hmm. and the medium tries, how do they know if the person that they're seeking has not already been reincarnated? And what happens if they have? Can they still make connection?
1: That, that's a really interesting question. Uh, and what's interesting about that, and I've heard this from mediums and also my reading of mediums around the world mm-hmm. is that what we call the other side uh, is kind of outside our time and space. It, 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 time doesn't work the same way there. At least mm-hmm. that's what, what we hear back. So what the, what we call now, um, we may be talking to them right after they died. You know, they may be reincarnated in our kind of parallel t- time now, but we—they were a spirit, or they were in that on the other side at some point, and that's what they're kind of projecting back from. At least that's what we hear from the mediums. Why is it on that, other I'm you sorry. know on other occasions mm-hmm. it's possible that the people that they can't communicate who aren't communicating actually have been reincarnated. There's no way for the medium to know that.
3: Why is it that some spirits or apparitions stay behind? Ghosts stay behind
1: while others go to the light? It seems that most people move on. I'd say that probably 95 to 98% of all ghost sightings mm-hmm. are people who have just died, or within a certainly within a week of their death, probably normally between 24 and 48 hours. And then they ne- they're never heard from again unless they come through a medium. So the ones who stick around, the stories we get from witnesses, so the communications from witnesses, the communications from psychics or mediums, uh, seem to indicate that each individual who's stuck around has their own personal reason or situation. And it runs the gamut from people being in denial that they're dead or claim that they don't know that they're dead. Uh, I think I see it more as denial than anything else. To folks who just don't want to let go, uh, mm-hmm. they they love it here, they want to stay with their family, uh, their family is in grief and they want to make sure their family's okay, There are st- we get uh, ideas or... Um, statements that they're afraid of what's next. They didn't know if there was a heaven or hell for sure. Uh, And they certainly don't want to find out if they thought they were doing wrong while they were alive. So they stick around for whatever reason. But I have to say that it's not likely that that's the only reason people can stay. Uh, It's because we'd have a lot more people who'd stick around as ghosts otherwise. Uh, We think that there are environmental factors that also allow Either at the time of death or right after, also allow a person to stick around. So many people
3: have gone to Waverly Hill Sanatorium, and yeah. it seems to be one of the top tourist attractions for the for the people who are into the paranormal. Do you think that there is as much activity there, or do you think that a lot of the activity that has been reported is being created by the by the person themselves?
1: Well, you know, first we have to separate the, the ghost or apparitional idea from what we call hauntings or mm-hmm. residual hauntings, the idea that places hold memory of their history. And a place like Wave really definitely does, just like Alcatraz here does right, uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area. But there are no ghosts in Alcatraz. It's just there, there's real bad feelings in certain places, um, and you could interpret that as being ghosts, and there have been some other things that have been experienced, but there's no conscious beings that are there. So that's that's part a uh, in a place like that, however, especially with ghost hunters and other people trying to get electronic voice phenomena and other things, they could easily be creating that themselves based on their unconscious picking up what's been imprinted in Waverly Hills. And one of the biggest questions we have about electronic voice phenomena is what the source of that EVP actually is when it's a very clear one, because it very easily could be the operator, mm-hmm. not the spirit. Could
3: it actually be the the thought of the operator that is being put
1: onto the to the recording device? Yep, the thought and expectation. Yeah.
3: Wow. Do you put a lot of faith into the EVP process?
1: No, not really. <laughs> Mainly because we don't get anything out of it. Um, you're not. I mean, it's great when it happens, yeah. especially when it happens spontaneously. But we're, it's not like we're getting good information from it. I'd, I'd much rather talk to. Or conv- have the witnesses themselves, the people who have told us that they've had experiences in that place. I work with them, uh, as well as psychics and mediums we bring in. But the people who have witnessed things already, who have experienced things, which is what we're investigating, to begin with, in most of our cases. If we can get them past any fear, we can get them to be the medium, to be the psychic, more or less. What about and we this? often get much more information?
3: What about this new technology that's coming out? Uh, I've heard of something called a voice uh, ghost box.
1: Yeah, there are all these different variations of a ghost yeah. box or spirit box or right. Frank's box. They vary from radio scanner technology to um, supposedly random sampling of EMF to create words. And, you know, um, they have not been tested under controlled conditions. Uh, I've sat in, 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 in a couple of sessions where mm-hmm. people have used them. And frankly, uh, what I heard, the the people in the room who had been using them for quite some time they said, it said X, Y, and Z, and it, it didn't sound like that to me at all. It's the same with EVP. Uh, some of them are very clear. Some of them do come up with very clear things. The question is whether or not that's you, again, the operator affecting the random scanner. You know, look, let me just back up and say that we have a ton of evidence and research in the laboratory of living people affecting random number generators and other random devices. So until these devices are tested... With to see if living people can affect them, uh, because we have more evidence of that than spirits. Mm-hmm. In any place where a ghost box gets a message, but no one's having a psych an experience of the ghost, it's just the ghost box or just the EVP. I'm going to go with a human being. I'm going to say that they're the source.
3: But once again, if if the operator can affect the mm-hmm. the the instrumentation that is being used, is it possible that if you get a group of people together who believe something so strong? that they can they can actually create a uh, an illusion that they see themselves because they are so involved in the same
1: belief. Well, they certainly can do that through suggestion. Right. I, that's one of the problems with working in the dark is that it doesn't take much to spook other people or to get yeah. people to experience things in the dark. And it, it's just, um, it's not a good good way to be an observer, a good observer, but you're absolutely right. I mean, people can actually uh, create things in their own minds and kind of, there was a scientific, there was a study last year, I believe it was last year where they, uh, someone played a bunch of EVPs for people who had never heard them before. Mm -hmm. uh, And something like 87% of the people disagreed with what it said. But as soon as the researcher said, um, doesn't it say, hi there, Bill, it flipped. like it was like 13 percent didn't hear that. The rest of them heard, "Wow, Hi their bill." I've been doing this
3: show a long time, my friend, as you well know, and I don't know how many EVPs that people have played for me on this show. And I must be honest with you, if, if I can actually say that one or two at the very most, resembled what the person said its you know, said was the actual definition of the EVP. That's a lot. Mm. Like, they say, there, yeah. can't you hear it? It's as clear as day. And I'm saying, well, no, not really. Listen again. Yeah. And how many times do you have to listen to the same thing and and still say, no, that's not what I hear? So how much well, is the desire to prove the paranormal real part of the phenomenon that we're still seeing today?
1: I don't know how much is, is part of trying to prove it. Certainly the fans of the shows want to want to experience what they see their, um, their idols doing mm-hmm. on the TV shows. Uh, I think that's, you know, it's, it's almost like they're start, like some of the nerdiest of the Star Trek fans <laughs> trying to act like they are on TV. And so many of them talk about wanting to get a TV show. It's, it's kind of, uh, it, it's sad in some respects. Um, So EVP has been a big part of the paranormal shows because it's something they can play on television that plays big. And I don't know, you know, I've asked these folks why they have no curiosity as to what's happening and why it's happening. They just want to have the experience or get an EVP. And um, I I try not to listen to those. Try not to accept any sort of request to analyze EVPs or even photos for that matter. It's the same thing with photos, photographs.
3: Lloyd, stand by, my friend. You and I have to take our final break. XO Nation, Lloyd back is our guest. He has a new book coming out in April, Psychic Dreaming, Dreamworking, Reincarnation, Out-of-Body Experiences, and Clairvoyance. And if you'd like to follow Lloyd on Twitter, at Prof Paranormal. And don't forget the courses uh, through the Ryan Research Institute. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go
0: away.
3: dot com.
2: With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night.
3: XO Nation, Lloyd Auerbach is our guest. Um, He's got a new book that is coming out in April. Psychic Dreaming, Dreamworking, Reincarnation, Out-of-Body Experiences, and Clairvoyance. And Lloyd was also the co-author with the late, renowned Psychic Annette Martin, who was on the show a number of times, of The Ghost Detective's Guide to Haunted San Francisco. Once again, if you'd like to follow Lloyd on Twitter, at Prof Paranormal, and if you'd like to uh, take any of the courses that are offered by the Ryan Research Center, um, what's their website again, Lloyd?
1: Ryan, r h i n e dot org.
3: Do me a favor, say hi to uh, Sally the next time you see her for us. I sure will. She's uh, she's one great lady. Where do you think the the next logical step? Incredible research into claims of the paranormal should be, Lloyd.
1: Well, you know, I think more research needs to be done uh, in the ap- application of remote viewing because that's a it's something that has been applied. Uh, even in government service yep. uh, as well as in real life and because it has a payoff uh, it makes a lot of sense to actually put some energy into that and some some money into that uh, especially given that we could be looking for terrorists and criminals like they used to uh, in those circumstances what's next for Lloyd Auerbeck? you've got your
3: courses you're teaching you're you're still writing you're do you, well, do, do, you do independent investigation
1: still I still do investigation from time to time. I, I like to send my students out where I can,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, but I'm, I'm involved right now in putting some classes to get courses together for um, a, a website that is launching in May. It's actually launching on May the fourth. Um, some folks in the UK are putting up the Church of Jediism, and it's the Church of Jediism org or becometheforce.com. dot and we are putting together kind of a Jedi training for that. So I'm putting together some stuff on uh, developing your psychic powers, you might say. All right.
3: Uh, For some of our listeners who may not be into Jedi's and Jediism, uh, how would you best explain to them what this course will actually do?
1: Well, all the courses, which are going to be a multiple level course training, is based on somewhat based in Star Wars. You know, the idea in Star Wars that that's kind of taking off. In some places, and, and it's an old idea is that there is a, a universal force that ties us all together, it ties all living things and all matter and energy together. And you know, you can go to physics and call it the Grand Unified Fe- Field Theory. You can go to Star Wars and call it the Force. Mm-hmm. And the concept here that they're doing through um, the Jediism site is really to provide people with a mindfulness um, interconnectedness type thing, rather than a religious perspective. And so there are going to be courses in uh, mindfulness, meditation, some martial arts, because that's part of being a Jedi we see in the movies. And then, of course, the psychic development, which will be ESP and and psychokinesis, a little bit of mind over matter for people to practice as well. But we'll also be talking about ethics and, uh, you know, living a good life and living a happy life.
3: We can all use that these days, can't we?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Based on your experience, what, in your opinion, is the most powerful proof that you yourself have had in the existence of the paranormal?
1: Well, you know, uh, pr- for personal proof, otherwise it fall under evidence because proof is, is mm-hmm. a- an odd thing. Um, on the ghostly side, uh, my, one of my earlier cases involved a family that was independently seeing the ghost of the woman who used to live in the house For over a year and a half before the son, the boy in that case, spoke up and confronted his mother and grandmother and father that they had already also been seeing the ghost because they weren't talking to each other. They were afraid, all afraid to freak out everybody else in the family. And he had been talking, the boy had been talking to the woman for a year and a half, almost every day. And when we investigated this, uh, there was an enormous amount of information that we got from the boy, mainly family stories that I had to track down the woman's only living relative to actually, um, confirm. And, and they were confirmed. Um, all the stories were confirmed. So it was, that was a real interesting situation, especially since part of what we got was the ghost asking us questions about, uh, which related directly to the drive we had from the university to the house in Livermore. And in fact, uh, if people want to read about the story, it's going to be in Leslie Keene's book, surviving death, which is out in March. Um, And it was just a really impossible situation that led to either the kid being incredibly psychic or there was a ghost there. And certainly the latter was the better explanation. Otherwise, I've I've had out-of-body experiences myself. I had them when I was working at the American Society for Psychical Research. Um, I have worked with someone in the 90s who was able to do mind over matter, psychokinesis, Mm -hmm. kind of his method that I teach. Um, So... You know, I've had little, not only personal experiences, but witnessed other people doing things. Certainly, what I've seen with the mediumship, the mediums, uh, and coming at this also with full training in magic and mentalism uh, as a psychic entertainer, you know, looking for fraud, uh, there's an awful lot of really good evidence out there. And that doesn't even count the laboratory work. One of the most
3: well known hauntings or cases that people may remember because of the television shows, as well as the the movie, The Conjuring, was that of the Perrin family. What is your take on that? Do you think that this was an actual haunting, that there were demonic uh, forces at work? Or do you think that there's another explanation for what has been misinterpreted as the paranormal?
1: Well, you know, there, there are a couple of pro- there are a few problems with the Perrin case, um, and any of the cases that Ed and Lorraine Warren were in, involved in, frankly. Okay. Um, and that is that they were intent on finding the demonic almost everywhere. Um, they include, and I know of a couple of cases that when I worked at the ASPR in New York, you know, they were in Connecticut. Yeah. And we got, there were a couple of cases that uh, were pretty clearly not even paranormal at all, but they'd been told that it was demonic. Mm-hmm. And there was a normal explanation for what had been going on. So that was their personal belief. Uh, I don't think that they were necessarily scamming anybody, but I think, you know, they went in looking for that. Uh, So I wouldn't be surprised if the Perrin family had some actual activity in their home. The question of what that was has been colored through the lens of demons and demonic forces by the Warrens. Um, I will, in October, be meeting one of the Perrin family, and I'm interested to talk to her and kind of really, as a parapsychologist, right. see if I can interpret what her experiences were.
3: I've had the pleasure of talking to, uh, I think her name is Andrea Perrin.
1: Yeah, I think that's who's going to be there.
3: Yeah, yeah. and uh, she's now in, you know, she was telling me about what happened at her house. I had the pleasure of meeting her father, and um, she's also now talking about mile-wide UFOs that she's seen over the house when it, while the hauntings were going on, and and it seems that there's more being added to this story as, as uh, society looks for new things to talk about. That's a shame. Yeah.
1: It, it, you know, I have to go back to when the story was originally reported.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, there are there other cases I know the Warrens were involved in, which were, uh, and, other, and other people who claimed that they were demonic forces. And they were poltergeist cases, they were cases of someone's unconscious sure. causing the activity. Um, not an external force. And they were interpreted negatively uh, as demonic, just like ghost hunters love to interpret uh, such a place as being uh, demonically haunted simply because they get an EVP that says, Get Out.
3: Uh Uh-huh. Tell me, are there demonic forces out there, in your opinion? I
1: don't don't believe so. Um, I would not be surprised if there are things that can hurt us. And I'm not Mm -hmm. talking about conscious things, but certainly uh, fire can hurt us, but fire can also be used in other ways, positive ways too. Uh, There are, from what we've seen in some of the ghosts, the actual apparition cases, there are certainly people who are bullies. They were bullies when they were alive and they're still trying to bully people and scare people now that they're dead because their personalities haven't changed that much. But you can stand up to that bully because that bully can't do anything to you, can't physically do anything to you. Uh, so we do have those kinds of situations, and there are people who were probably pretty unpleasant when they were alive. They're still unpleasant, but most people, most apparitions tend to be friendly or at least apathetic, I should say, mm. like most human beings were alive.
3: Have you heard of many cases where there has been a, a full, uh, full apparition that has materialized?
1: Well, a full apparition as seen by someone, Mm -hmm. uh, there's no materialization that's actually happening the way we think of it. You know, you could have a room uh, that's in a house that's incredibly haunted with a ghost, with an actual apparition. And 10 people in the room, two people might see the apparition uh, and hear the apparition speaking. Two other people might hear the voice of the apparition. One other person might sense a presence. Another person might smell the, the cologne or perfume. And the rest, they don't have any experience at all because... It's not a thing that you're seeing through your eyes or hearing through your ears or smelling through your nose. It's all a mental impression of what that person thinks of themselves, what they look like, what they are.
3: So that, therefore, the, what you just said would nullify any validity for an EVP.
1: Yes. Well, you know, the definition of electronic voice phenomena in actuality from the researchers mm-hmm. back as far back as the 40s is a voice that appears on a recording medium. Without having been heard or gone worked through the microphone. In fact, there are EVPs that have been gathered over the years with no microphone involved, with a microphone disabled in devices. So it is, by definition, it's electronically created by the mind that we hope of the spirit or by a living person for that matter. Lloyd,
3: the time has gone by so fast. First of all, I want to thank you ever so much for coming back on the show. Don't be a stranger. If there's anything we can help you with, just let us know. Regards to Sally and the fine people at the Ryan Research uh, Group. And um, congratulations on your new book, Psychic Dreaming Dreamworking, Reincarnation, Out of Body Experiences, and Clairvoyance. Thank you, Rob. Take care, Lloyd. Speak to you soon. ExoNation, once again, if you'd like to uh, keep in touch with Lloyd, you can join him on Twitter. And that's at, at Prof Paranormal. This is the ExoNation. I am Rob McConnell. We'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue investigating the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology from our broadcast center right here in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Dunk away.